Superman and Lois, The New Adventures. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. And we're here, of course, to talk all about the CW's Superman and Lois TV series, which is currently in between seasons. Season one, as you know, has wrapped up and still a little ways away from season two. So we're going to talk about the news that has hit since the season one ended and do a little look back on season one as a whole uh, compared to our individual episode reviews, which you can, can of course, go check out. But we're going to go and say what we think now that the season's done, see if we like everything the same, like something less, like anything differently, uh, how our thoughts changed, and, and look at character arcs and everything as a whole. But we'll first start off with that news, and season one is now available to stream if you are an HBO Max subscriber in the U.S., either the ad plan or the ad-free plan, both have it. It is in HD, that was kind of my last hope for getting it in 4K anytime soon, Yeah. so there's that. And it's also... I see this question a lot. Is it the extended episodes? It looks like I'm going to call the episodes just standard. The extended episodes just the standard episodes because I think the only place you see the shortened broadcast versions of the episodes are if you're watching it on the CW. Yeah, Not the I CW think... site, but actually mm-hmm. on the CW. So everything everything I've seen is the extended episodes if you buy it or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put it. So the it's almost like the... Uh... It's almost like a, I don't want to say a theatrical cut because then even that is like the then the version that gets released is extended. But yeah, it's a good way. Like just the broadcast version of the episode, which had to be cut down to fit in the time. And the other ones are basically the actual episode that you were meant to see, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to rename the extended episodes the episodes. Yeah. And then the broadcast ones, the broadcast, the shortened version ones, because that's everything you're going to get. And so most likely anybody who sees this will see the extended episodes unless you are watching live or they have reruns on the CW. Yeah. But yeah. So welcome to anybody who just just binged this season on HBO Max and uh, is just finding us now. We've been here for a while, Uh, but there are other ways to watch. So if anybody wants to rewatch before season two or anything like that, there's still the CW's website and app with ads. If you're in the U.S., those, I think they leave about a month before season two mm-hmm. releases. They don't have the full season on there, but they have all 15 episodes on there right now. If you want to watch that, you can, of course, purchase it digitally, Vudu, Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, whatever. And then the Blu-ray and DVD release October 19th. So there's a lot of different ways to watch this, depending on how you want to. Unless you want to watch it in 4K. There is no way. <laughs> well, okay. You can upscale it yourself. I guess. You can. Yeah, we'll do that. Other news, DC Fandom 2021 has been announced for October 16th. Uh, there's a poster and a trailer, which you get a little bit of a look at Tyler Hecklin as Superman in it. I don't think there's a schedule or anything like that yet, but we can guess there's probably going to be a panel like there was last year before season one. I don't know if it's probably too soon for a trailer. They might do like the CW shows used to have for Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. where it's largely, they'll call it a season two first look or whatever, but it'll mostly be a season one trailer showing old footage, and then they'll have a little bit of season two footage from what they've shot so far. Yeah, I am I am encouraged that, the, I mean, I don't think you can take too much from this, but it, it is cool to see that Tyler Hecklin Superman is literally the tallest person. Like, he's at the top of the poster. He's the highest up. Um, obviously... Uh, Black Adam is in the middle drawing your attention, um, but he's right up there at the top. So I, I hope that we do get some some information, like you said, too early for a full-fledged trailer. But they could even do some stylized thing like they did for that very first thing we saw that uh, that they released where it was like very comic book style and it was a lot of animation and, and barely any uh, live action stuff. But they could do something like that for, like you said, like a first look. Yeah, post. they could do that. I'm fine. I'm fine with them not doing that again. I think we yeah. can just wait for a trailer if they don't want to release that again. 
um, and, and have something more solid out there. But yeah, you're right. Tyler Hicklin's Superman does have pretty good, take up a good chunk there. Probably the biggest out of all the TV properties. Oh, yeah. That you see there. And speaking of season two, production has officially started on season two. Thanks to Bitsy Tolick on Twitter, the Lois Lane and also Newsbreaker for Superman and Lois. But they have, they've actually began work. Cameras are rolling, as they say. We don't know yet when season two will actually air. It's a mid-season show. Good chance it's mid to late January at the earliest. So that should give the show like a four, four plus month head start on the episodes airing, which will be, end up being pretty similar to last year hopefully not any COVID delays so the the airing schedule doesn't have to be like it was last year what was it five weeks on six weeks seven weeks off six weeks on two weeks off two weeks on two weeks on two weeks off two weeks on (laughs) that sounds right (laughs) that nailed it uh yeah something like that so hopefully uh there's no issues like that and it can can run smoother whenever the show whenever season two does start yeah, I think all around season two should be more of a normal, uh, like you said, smoother process than season one. There was a whole lot of things outside their control that, that came up with that. But yeah, this is this is very exciting uh, to see confirmation that it really has started. We knew it was happening at some point, but now we know it. it's happening now. Yeah, and since Bitsy showed the first page of the script, we got a little bit of details there. Episode one is going to be written by Brent Fletcher and Todd Helbing. Helbing is the showrunner, Brent Fletcher, a uh, big writer in season one. It's going to be directed by Gregory Smith, who seems like the go-to director. for. We also got the episode title of 2.1. It is going to be What Lies Beneath. So don't know what that's going to mean. Uh, There is a new 52 action comics story arc titled What Lies Beneath. If my memory serves right, it it has a lot of Superman and Lana in it. And it was one of my more well-liked arcs of the new 52. Don't know if they'll take any inspiration from that in any way, Uh, but... The name rang a bell with me, so I checked that out. Yeah, it's cool if it if there's a tie-in to that comic story. We should we should read that and check it out. Maybe we could talk about it on one of the episodes uh, coming up here. Yeah, that that might be a good idea. Knowing how this show works, I doubt it'll be a it certainly won't be a direct adaptation. And it's a who knows yeah. if they take any inspiration at all. It might just be a coincidence. Um, but yeah, that's not a bad idea. Other production notes, according to Krypton site, David Ramsey will direct season episode two of season two. John Diggle, as he is known to many fans, uh, and also he directed the Steel Heavy episode in season one, big reveal. So I wonder if episode two is going to lean into that stuff a lot, or it's just a coincidence and he's they wanted him back and that's when it works in the schedule, or if it's going to be uh, heavily tied into that one. I don't... It would make sense if it were tied into that, because I think obviously with the uh, the big reveal at the end of the first season, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of uh, of the Irons family early on that's a good transition because taylor buck who plays natalie irons of whatever that earth that other earth is that john henry is from has been promoted to a series regular for season two not shocking considering we saw her land right on the kent farm there at the end of season one but it sounds like she's going to be having a very big role i'm pretty happy about this i i really liked uh the john henry storyline other than we'll talk about maybe some of the annoying things from the earlier episodes but i really liked what they did with his character and i i'm interested in seeing more from him especially now that his daughter has shown up on this earth as well yeah and i like what little we've seen of natalie so far actress does a good job and uh the character is pretty likable i do wonder how it's gonna fit uh i think it's gonna be tricky to to balance that i'm curious how they do that because all the superman stuff is like sci-fi heightened versions of reality so like if you try to look at it through the lens of 
Talro, the Talro storyline, if you look at that as being, imagine if your dead mother had a family before your current family, and you found out years later after she was dead that you had a sibling or something like let's try to relate that to the real world and this one is probably going to be any even trickier fitting natalie in because it's across the multiverse with a different timeline with a completely different version of lois who married someone else you know so it's like imagine if you lived in a different world didn't marry your husband didn't have your two kids but had a different child with a different person it's going to be tough to, it's going to be i'm curious how they try to, they try to do that in the the grounded reality that the show does but I do like what we've seen uh, from the actress so far. I'm just really, it's, it seems tricky to juggle all that. Yeah. And I, I would not be surprised at all if they tried to judge the reception to her character and to John Henry Irons. And there might be a possibility for a spinoff show uh, sometime in the future. That's a, that's a good point. Um, if, if there's something the CW is not afraid of, it's making new superhero shows. So I wouldn't put it past them. The, the season one finale of Superman and Lois, if you look at John's, John Henry's story arc, I thought, are they maybe going the spinoff route here? Um, right. And then with the ending, obviously, they're going to address those things in the show, but maybe uh, this is planned for something else. I don't know. Speaking of the CW's other shows, we've talked about the Flash season, whatever season they're on, eight. It's going to be starting with a five-episode event with cast from other shows. No Superman and Lois cast members have been announced for that, though. So would that doesn't mean nobody will show up. But they announced a list of casting characters, and nobody from Superman and Lois was on that. Yeah, I'm guessing we probably won't see anybody, uh, which is somewhat disappointing. But at the at the same time, uh, it gives them the opportunity to tell exactly the kind of story they want without having to put in any elements from some of the other shows. Not that they would have to, you know, it's not like they would have to shoehorn in a whole lot of stuff, but they would probably have to do something at least on their show to to explain it and to try to get people to watch the the crossover yeah um yeah i think all things being equal it would be fun to see clark or lois pop over to this event and help save the day i'd love you know seeing more of them sure that would be great and it'd be nice to have a little palate cleanser in between seasons with this emotional yeah. emotionally heavy story deal with something lighter and stuff like that but i think the big thing here is i, I if we if we want this show to be successful we probably need Tyler, the show to be able to watch the show, and Tyler and Bitsy to be happy and enjoy doing it for yeah. a long time. And so they would have had to probably come back early. I think there's still some semblance of COVID restrictions. They would have had to come back early from their break to film. So I think that's a big reason why. And there's still the risk, the COVID risk out there. And judging by the people announced for the crossover or for the event, The Flash is mostly bringing in people who aren't on a show right now, with the exception of Batwoman. So I think the CW is still a little bit afraid of mixing cast and crew too much and risk shutting down production on multiple shows yeah that's a good point so yeah i, d I don't think i think it would be cool if they had a nod to superman and lois somehow um maybe a, a newscast with lois on there or something like that maybe a small supporting character showing up somehow but uh, i don't think that's likely so we probably won't yeah, talk about this either. again <laughs> all right on to season one i guess both of us rewatched the season in uh, in its entirety and tried to look at it through that lens of a season as a whole. Um, do you have any overall thoughts on the season or or anything like that? Has anything changed for you, or do you have anything to sum up the thoughts? Uh, I guess going back and seeing the whole thing together, especially in a short period instead of you know with weeks in between, I I'm a little I don't know 
I don't know if I'm more or less annoyed with the 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 Edge Tal Row, the Morgan Edge Tal Row storyline, more just because it, there was a really interesting premise I thought early on with the Stranger, and then especially getting to see maybe some different villains with different powers and stuff, and then it watching it all in order reminded me how many episodes they kind of stretched out the ending of the season where it, it felt like the season could have ended a couple different times and how much the Tal story really didn't work that well for me. So those are those are all negative things. But watching it again, though, I am just, again, the thing that stuck out the most was just the relationship that the Kent family had and how we got to see some of those dynamics change, especially as they learn more about the boys and about joining getting powers and so i i don't know i i really really <laughs> really enjoyed this and i i probably would have cut some of the the towel storyline out but other than that i i really enjoyed going back and seeing this again yeah it's always fun to look at a tv show with a season as a whole knowing where it ends up i like kind of knowing where things are going so once you know that it's kind of nice i do have also have some complaints about the towel storyline that we'll get into in a bit but that aside i think largely the show is well done like we i think we talk about that every week but it is well done for the cw standards i think the production value the writing the direction everything is generally very strong uh just looking at it as 15 episodes of tv i think it's done well there's good action there's good music all of those things i think work well um there's some story things that i don't all love but this show right or wrong focused on being a small town family drama with superhero stuff mixed in and by that standard it did pretty well for the most part uh some of the things got lost along the way and we'll get into that but i think largely focusing on the kent family as a whole uh they did a lot of interesting things with that and the premise of what about the world's greatest superhero the world's most famous reporter what if they had to deal with teenage boys and moving to a small town uh if you're going to do that i think it it did did it pretty well yeah, and it's just so cool to see an established Clark Kent and Lois Lane as parents, uh, as grown-ups, uh, after they've had careers and, well, are still in the midst of the career, but uh, getting to see them very comfortable with their powers and what they can do and uh, their personalities and their relationship, that's that's always great to see. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll go into breaking it down. Uh, we've been pretty positive about the visuals, the CGI and everything like that. Do you have anything to add to that? I, uh, that first episode, the pilot episode, when he's carrying that giant glacier out of the river and throwing it into a reactor that is overheating, that is still, I think, the most impressive shot uh, from the entire season. And it looks like it could have been from uh, a big budget blockbuster movie. So uh, they started off really strong. And yeah, there was never, I don't think, there wasn't anything I noticed that ever took me out of the episodes because the CGI was so bad or anything. And it was, it was just very well done. Yeah, that uh, that's one of my notes for later. But that first action scene is one of the best live action Superman scenes ever from the pilot yeah. where he uses all of his powers, uh, saves the day. He's in control. He's in command. I love that whole opening to the pilot. Um, and yeah, I think largely it looks great. There are, I, I, I can say there's maybe two or three shots the entire season that I thought CGI wasn't perfect. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was great watching it at normal speed. And it's just two or three shots out of 15 episodes. That's pretty good. It looks good. It, the show has a very unique look for, for superhero shows. They went with a different aspect ratio. They did some different color grading or whatever, which mostly most of the time looked really beautiful. I particularly liked the night scenes. Mm -hmm. um, scenes done at night, I think, looked really well. 
most of the day scenes also look great. There's sometimes I'm like, okay, this whatever filter color grading they're doing, it just kind of looks like it's going to rain all the time and, and they dark it, darkened it. And I would like to see some uh, sunny Kansas skies and things like that. Uh, that's just a personal preference, I, but I think it looks good. It's just not always my preferred thing. So I think no. it looks really good. I don't know. Uh, some people are think this is leaps and bounds ahead of other superhero shows or CW shows visually, and that's obviously their fair opinion. I don't know that it's huge budget-wise if you look at, compared to something like season one of The Flash, adjusted for inflation. I don't know that the budget is hugely larger. I think they just pick and choose their spots very well in terms of how much they're going to rely on CG and stuff like that. They didn't they weren't terribly ambitious in terms of visual design of they didn't have like full CG characters or they didn't have random flashbacks to Krypton show thrown in or anything like that. So they didn't have any off-world stuff. Everything looks pretty real-world and grounded. So like I said the CGI looks good, but maybe that's something I would like to see a little bit more of see if they could push in terms of different locations, different looking villains and uh, characters and that kind of stuff but yeah i think overall it looks good yeah and it it is good that they've i think that they cut back on the amount of uh cgi because it is supposed to be such a grounded show like we've talked about that that helps it feel more grounded that almost everything you're seeing on the screen at any given time is a real thing that was in front of that camera at that time yeah and there's probably way more cgi in it than we know and most of it's just done so well it mixes seamlessly other than like the backgrounds of Tal's Fortress, the the desert scenes, sometimes the sunset didn't always look perfect or things like that. Those are really minor complaints. Uh, let's move on to action. What about the Superman in action stuff? So this kind of, this fits in with basically what we've been saying with the CGI is that they, I think, and everybody's might have a different opinion, but I think they did a good job of balancing the amount of action that is needed for a show like this and uh, some people might complain that there's not enough action. We don't get to see Superman uh, in his suit fighting people, doing enough, saving the day. But that the main gist of this show and what I wanted from it was the family relationship and the, the dramas of raising teenagers um, in a small town. And so that means that you're going to spend a whole lot of time not seeing Superman in action. And I'm okay with that. And um, I'm not sure exactly if you think they struck that balance as well as I thought they did. Yeah, I, I think they did. Um, it's tough to show, to show Superman's powers on a weekly TV show. It's just continually giving him big enough threats and everything like that uh, if you want a huge physical battle. So I'm glad they didn't try to do that every week. My favorite action was normally the natural disasters, like uh, the bridge collapse, those kind of things. I tended to like those more. There weren't a ton of great fights. The one with Subject 11 was probably... Well, of course, there's the stranger fights early on, which were well done. Um, and also the the motel battle with Subject 11 or whatever were probably the highlights in terms of fights. But again, the action I thought was was well done throughout the season. Yeah. And that's just the thing, though, about the show is a lot of it, it, the problems that come up are things that, and I hope they keep it this way, is the problems that come up are things that Superman can't solve by uh, fighting or with his punching. like Punchy, punchy. Right, exactly. They're, they're things like the trying to be a good dad or trying to be a good husband or convincing the members of the community uh, to not accept or to accept whatever. Uh, those are the sorts of things that Superman can't do by punching people. So uh, I think it's it's a good way to show what I like so much about the Clark Kent character, um, especially based on who he was raised by and the, the morals and values that he has. Yeah, agreed. Any thoughts on the score by Dan Romer? I 
I was very, very impressed with it. I, I mean, normally I don't really notice the music in especially the CW shows, but even just like superhero movies in general, none of the scores normally stand out all that much um, with some exceptions. I think Man of Steel had a really, really good score, um, but the the score for this was was great and it had enough little recurring themes and elements that they brought back at, at certain times to, to stick with you. And they did some really good jobs of, I, I really took note in the first few episodes, uh, some of the musical cues that they used when something dramatic would happen. It just fit perfectly and really kind of enhanced the mood of what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really well done and help elevate this stuff. It was a nice mix of serious drama and, and action in the score with also some hopeful and uplifting things mixed in. So generally speaking, I thought it was pretty great. Uh, and Dan Rummer did really good work. I, this is kind of an old school thing. I, I come from liking the themes, uh, having a theme for the character and stuff like that. And especially with Superman in action, I don't know that he ever really had a full on hummable theme, like some of the classic Superman yeah. stuff, like you mentioned with Hans Zimmer or with John Williams or, um, Superman the Animated Series, anything like that. I don't know that there's a full-on. There's that little, those few notes they play with the title card at the, at every episode. But other than that, I don't know that there's a real hummable theme that I noticed. And that's just something I like. It's it's not something hugely important. Uh, but Superman has a good legacy of, like, of that. And I'd like to hear something that stands out a little bit more. But other than that, I think it was great. Yeah, I wonder if they'll if he'll compose more music for the second season or if they'll just kind of recycle the, the same score that they used in the first season. Yeah, I think, I think it'll certainly be returning some of the same but also have some new stuff yeah uh let's go let's do a quick rundown character by character focusing on the main cast there and kind of give just our overall thoughts on their arc or, or the character the actor's performance or whatever you want to tyler hecklin as clark kent and superman uh, i think he did a fantastic job uh, especially as clark kent i think he he gets the bumbling uh bumblingness i don't think that's a word but uh the bumbling nature of clark kent that you need to have to be believable as a different person from superman and the just the attitude and like way he presents himself differently when he's clark kent versus superman i think tyler hecklin did a really great job of and then getting to see him as a father I, it was very believable um that this is the way at least the way that i like to see clark kent um when i'm thinking about him as a character this is the way that i would see him acting as a father most of the time so uh that was really cool and I, th I think he did a really good job yeah i agree with most of that there uh i'm not a huge fan of the bumbling clark kent but i don't think this show overdid it you know the little bit of water, right. water cooler acting like that's heavy i'm fine with that stuff uh as long as he's not tripping over himself and too extreme making too much of a drawing too much attention to himself so i think yeah. it was really good i think he made it was great seeing clark as a father and how he balanced that seeing him as a husband uh, i think was generally well done his Superman was, I think he did everything he needed to as Superman for the most part. Uh, I am disappointed. I can't quite, there's always three parts to Clark. There's the Superman, there's Clark, his personal life, which we did. Those two things got a, a pretty much a lot of good time there. I'm bummed we didn't see more of Clark as a professional. Obviously, I'd love to see him as a journalist and working with Lois and everything like that. But even if not, even if he's going to focus on the farm, we didn't see anything like that with that. So I think he kind of, we kind of missed that part of Clark in season one. And I hope it's something they focus on in the future. And also I, uh, on rewatch, I appreciated Dylan Kingwell as the teenage Clark more. Uh, you know, I kind of got used to finally, finally getting adjusted to seeing uh teenage Clark Kent that looks like a teenage 
Clark teenager. So that was good. And I hope that's something casting. He's, I think, maybe 17 or 18. So he could play teenage Clark Kent for the run of the show and yeah. be believable. So I hope we see more of him in the future. I was uh, I was going to add one more thing about just the way they handled uh, Kal-El in this show. And this, this is a, nothing to do with Tyler Hicklin's performance, um, but just towards the end of the season where they had him kind of talking about and thinking about how good it felt to lose control and to use your powers without having to hold back and stuff is not something I'm super interested in for the Superman character. And it's not something that I see him struggling with that much. Um, so time will tell to see how much further down that path they go with the character, but they, they do end up, you know, keeping around weapons just because of that. So that I, if I had to pick one thing from their portrayal of Superman that I didn't really care for, it would be that. Yeah. Uh, especially the Superman in a position of power standing over the body of John Henry Irons, who is defenseless, was just trying to kill Superman, but yeah. at that time was defenseless. And he goes up to him with his fist ready to punch and the red eyes, that thing. Yeah, that was, I think, over the line and never really justified other than unless you're saying, hey, he's this close. He's he could Superman could snap at any second and we could go full injustice right here. Right. Uh, which is something I'm not a fan of. So I didn't like that. Um, those were we're talking two or three scenes where they kind of leaned into that out of the season. I hope that's just kind of trying to convince the audience he could really turn into Zod or whatever. Um, but yeah, I agree with you there. That was probably my least favorite part of the Superman stuff. But I think that's a good segue into Bitsy Tulloch as Lois Lane because she never loses uh, faith in who Clark is um, and his ability as Superman to do the right thing. And it, it was great to see her sticking up for him even when absolutely every other person on the show basically was against her irons and her dad sam were trying to convince her that it was too late he was too far gone but um seeing that faith that she had in him was was really cool yeah absolutely i think bitsy was great as lois lane i have like with tyler i have no real problems at all with her performance she brought a lot of strength to the character she's kind of the rock of the family mm -hmm. she kind of is the one who had everything figured out all season long she seemed comfortable as a mom and as a working mom and having all of that balance. Uh, so she brought the strength while we still got to see her vulnerability uh, especially with the natalie storyline all that i think she pretty much nailed it <laughs> and so um yeah i i think that would be fun in the future seasons to maybe see something shake her up uh family wise because she seemed to have everything in control with the boys as a mom so i wonder if something could shake that up in the future where maybe it's just not She's struggling with something. We saw her struggling with trying to protect them uh, in the middle of the season there. Uh, professionally, as Lois Lane, the reporter, I really loved how they started the show, the first handful of episodes. Her storyline, more than anything, we'll get into the towel stuff. Her storyline as a reporter, I think, was torpedoed and negatively impacted the most by the towel review. Yeah. Those first handful of episodes really focus on setting up a Lois Lane versus battle. She even says... I can't help but there's a lot of foreshadowing. I can't help but think this is the reason why I was sent to Smallville or why I'm why I'm in Smallville yeah. to to help take down Morgan Edge. Morgan Edge she quits her job because of Morgan Edge at the Daily Planet. She um she Morgan Edge made fun of her calling her, you know, twice shortlisted for the Pulitzer, but she washed up and has been. It's really setting up, man, this is going to be so sweet when Lois gets her revenge on Morgan Edge. But that kind of with the Tal Row reveal, it kind of just stops all that. And it's she still did some research, and it's helpful to stopping the problem. 
But I think she was the most negatively impacted by that because her storyline for the first half of the season just kind of goes away and it doesn't have any real payoff or resolve. Yeah, I completely agree because I, I, I thought once she left the Daily Planet and ended up at the Smallville Gazette, I thought we were going to see her, you know, putting out article after article, calling out Morgan Edge and revealing corruption and maybe even going after things outside of um morgan edge and having her own kind of like side adventures uh in some of the middle episodes but we didn't ever really see that we didn't really ever see her write an article for the smallville gazette i mean she's like you said she's there doing research and she's helping out but she she didn't she didn't get to stretch yeah she didn't get to she didn't get to like bring anybody down with the power of the written word which is what i want to see for lois so yeah i i totally agree with you i think they probably dropped the ball a bit with um her professional the storyline of her professional life yeah and that's something i i love the this is me as a superman fan bringing in my love for the daily planet and all of that i wish that had been a bigger thing lois lane quitting the daily planet and maybe getting her job offered back at the end of the season and she decided no she could have decided no or super clark kent addressing at all the fact that he'd been a journalist for most of his adult life and then gets fired and that's it there's no reflection on that so both of those things were kind of uh, disappointing just because I love that aspect of these characters so much. Um, yeah. But besides that, I think they, besides the, the reporting stuff of it all, I do think these characters were really well done uh, for the most part. And I'm excited to see more of those together. And I will say, if I had to choose, I think Betsy Tullock had the widest range uh, of any of the actors on the show and got to show off her dramatic talents. And she she did a, a fantastic job. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Her, she obviously had the the most emotional single episode probably uh, mm-hmm. with the Natalie storyline, but she did get to show off a lot of stuff and both of, you know, both of these and the entire cast, we, we keep saying it, but I think everybody's well cast for the most part and, and did a good job with what they were asked to do. Let's go on to the Kent boys, Jordan Elsess as Jonathan Kent and Alex Garfin as Jordan Kent. I guess we want to lump them together. Yeah. I rewatching it again. I, I was hoping a little bit that they ha- would stretch out revealing who had the powers. Um, I think it annoyed me more as it was airing the first time, and it, it wasn't that big of a, an annoyance this time. I, I'm kind of glad that they, they got it out of the way now that I've seen everything. Um, but that being said, just the relationship between Jonathan and Jordan, I think, was one of my favorite parts of the entire show, um, knowing that they always had each other's backs, even after you know they got mad at each other uh, justifiably a few different times, um, but they still stuck together and were able to help each other and it, it's cool to see how much jonathan can help jordan even though um jonathan doesn't have powers and jordan does uh so that that's really cool to see uh things i maybe didn't like uh well i think we'll talk about this a lot but just the drinking it's still kind of it's just weird because they're like 14 and it just really doesn't seem to be that big of a deal and they just do it all the time and so i i don't know if they're going to get into bigger trouble with that or you know if any more negative stuff is going to come about of that, but uh, it's just it's a little weird and a little grating uh, to see it as often and as heavily as we do see it. Yeah, that that is a good point. There are a lot of fourteen to however old year olds uh, day drinking without drinking without consequences and not something just kind of casually and and that's being treated like yeah, that's fine. That's a normal thing for the most part. Uh, one moment that did stand out to me related to that when Jonathan is drunk at the harvest festival and sarah mm-hmm. kind of rips into him i really love that moment more knowing what she's been through right uh, with her dad and she doesn't want you know part of that's her being mad for seeing her dad 
and also not wanting the boys to be anything like that. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I do think that's something they can certainly address in the future. Uh, but yeah, the, the relationship between the boys other than that is really great. And they're sometimes childish, but sometimes uh, really mature and there for each other and trying to help each other. Like the whole Kent family dynamic that they do well is you never really question if these people love each other. Um, they just have different ways of going about their problems and you never question that they want what's best for the other people. I mean, sometimes the boys act childish, sure, but you know, deep down, uh, they, they don't want to hurt anyone. They don't want to break their brother's arm or things like that. So I think that was all really done well. Jonathan, uh, specifically is also kind of a rock of the family. He, uh, yeah. other than the harvest festival where he gets drunk, he kind of has it all together, even though everything goes horrible for him. Yeah. He arguably, other than, I mean, Clark did lose his mom and his biological father, his AI, and who knows what else this season. But other than that, I mean, Jonathan lost his starting spot as, as at a big school. He moved to the middle of nowhere in Smallville, which also may be very close to Metropolis. Lost his girlfriend. Um, broke his arm a couple of times, I think. Had a lot going on. And yet he was kind of a rock. So I'm curious what their plans are for John in the future. Um, is he just... He's been through a lot, but he's been really strong throughout it. So I wonder, uh, I think that's something that's maybe set up for more for long term. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but he was, both these boys were likable actors. So um, Jordan obviously had arguably got more to do story-wise than just about anyone in this season. And uh, the actor did a good job of carrying that and seeing him come to learn about his powers and stuff uh, was mostly handled well. I do like, they Mm -hmm. kind of really accelerated through that the first half of the season and then slowed down a little more and let him go back to being a kid, which is the stuff I was more interested in. Um, but yeah, um, I thought those were, it's interesting to see them and see Lois and Clark as parents. Yeah. And that's the one thing is obviously Jordan, because he has powers is going to be spending more time with Clark and Jonathan without powers is going to be spending more time with Lois. I hope in the next season we can see that the opposite side of that more often where we get to see Clark as a dad to Jonathan and Lois as a mom. To, to Jordan so hopefully they'll we'll get to see some some more of those the other sides of those relationships let's talk about the the Cushing's very Emmanuel Shriki as Lane Cushing I well just the Cushing's in general I would I'll say I think might be the biggest surprise for me of of this show is how much I ended up caring about them I thought there was just going to be like the random side story that I really didn't care about that much but their their family drama really did uh, get its hooks in me and I was interested in it and uh, I, I really liked Lana. I liked uh, I liked the way that she was portrayed and I really liked especially there was um, a few times where she was helping out Chrissy and Lois trying to do their investigation so I hope we get to see her brought in more on those sorts of things and we can kind of get her involved in the main story of of what's going on and help investigate and whatnot. Yeah I, th- I think she was very heroic in her own right, Lana, and uh, likable throughout the season. I like how she got involved and developed a friendship with Lois, and uh, she was kind of a core, being a her and Kyle being Smallville people who had been there for a while, and that family story and everything that went on there, I think was mostly done pretty well. Um, and I am, you know, Todd Helbing had talked before the show started about Clark's old feelings for Lana and stuff like that. I'm glad, other than the weird extended scene in episode two, there was nothing really even remotely romantic about their relationship or anything like that, or any hints of old feelings or anything like that. So I'm really glad they did that. And so now that they've kind of got that figured out, I would like seeing Lana as a friend to 
being friends with Clark Moore and with Lois and, and having them having that friendship being a key part of that. Yeah, uh, as too. far as the rest of the, the Cushing family, Kyle, uh, he played a jerk character really likable throughout most of the season. And then as the season went on, his storyline got more likable. So he was certainly responsible for rewatching the season really reminded me how much Smallville should kind of blame him for bringing yeah. Morgan Edge to town and, and how much he was involved with that. So seeing him change a little bit throughout the year, seeing him apologize to Lois, that kind of stuff was well done. And Andy Navarrete as Sarah Cushing was, I don't know, she's just like a really cool character. She kind of yeah. had things figured out, but had her struggles as well. Um, and dealing with, dealing with all things. Uh, she weirdly had a better sense on of reality than a lot of people in this show. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really like the character of Sarah Cushing. And uh, the one thing I'm potentially worried about for Kyle is that his story is wrapped up pretty neatly. Um, he seems to be pretty much on the up and up and is a good person now. So not that that's a bad thing for him. I, I mean, we want to see that for the character, but I don't know how much room that leaves him to change as a character moving forward. Sure. Um, even without a character changing doesn't mean you can't tell interesting stories. But Certainly. yeah, I think I hope uh, we're not done with his alcoholism storyline. I think that's that's one of the things that kind of went away. And we we're going to have to do a part two on this where we get into stuff more and more of the story related stuff. But his alcoholism was kind of one of the things that was dropped a little bit. And uh, he never really hit rock bottom and, and came out the other side. Clearly, I know he missed Sarah's recital, whatever thing, music review that she was going to yeah. have. And then he kind of redeemed himself there. But I think there's probably more trouble to come with that. It might be one step forward, two steps back for him. Yeah, I, I think we might see him slide back before he's uh, completely well, like you said. So elsewhere, in terms of series regulars, just a few more. Dylan Walsh as Sam Lane. I, I really liked him uh, as well. He makes a very believable father to, to Lois Lane. Um, I We got to see him in action once towards the end of the season like actually fighting with people. So I, I don't know how much more of that we'll see or how much of the uh, day-to-day job of being the a general we'll see because basically the whole back half of the, the season is him just kind of occupying Smallville, um, set up with a base there, just trying to help find uh, Morgan Edge. So I I don't know exactly what, what more I want to see from him, but I, I did really like the moments where he's being a dad or a, a grandfather. Yeah, he is definitely a bit of a jerk, but you can tell from the start he loves his family. And so uh, he makes some very questionable decisions throughout the season, but also he's there for his family. So it's a really tricky character where he's doing very morally questionable things at times, and yet you know he wants what's best for him. Uh, what about Adam Rayner as Morgan Edge slash Talro slash the Eradicator? We'll, we'll get into this story, I think, uh, uh, next time. But just in general, what do you think about the, the character? In in general, I would say um, the amount that I liked the acting going versus the amount I liked the character is probably uh, the biggest difference of anybody. I think Adam Rayner did a fantastic job. He he looks like he's having a ton of fun playing this really bad guy, and he's he's being very believable believable about it. Uh, I'll just leave all the thoughts that I have about Tauro until we actually get into plot stuff in our, our part two. But uh, that being said, I, th- I think Adam Rayner did a fantastic job. And especially when he's Morgan Edge early on, he is exactly what I would want from a Morgan Edge character. And he, he plays it perfectly. 
Yeah, I thought he, a handful of episodes into the season, I thought he was a very good Morgan Edge. Like, the businessman, uh, jerky, uh, but you can see why people would, would like him from a, a certain perspective and kind of had all that going for him. The switch to Tao Ro, the reveal of that, at first glance, I thought it didn't, I had problems with how he seemed to act different, but he's kind of a mustache twirler from the start of the season as Morgan Edge, yeah. which fits for Morgan Edge. It's a little different with the Tao Ro thing. So his his personality, I would say, was pretty similar throughout, no matter either version of the character or who he was pre- publicly pretending to be, his characterization. His personality was pretty similar, but his characterization kind of switched, and this isn't his fault, the actor's fault, but he goes from being this cold, meticulous, confident man who had been planning this since the year 1987 to very impulsive once he reveals he's Tauro and very short-tempered and he seems very different from the character who had decades of planning to be in this mission so that's more a problem with the the Tauro switch than uh the actor yeah yeah it's the the characterization of Tauro but this is hard like because all of the well, almost all of the other characters we're talking about, we have some preconceived notions about what we want to see for them and comic book storylines that we've read from them. Um, and we're comparing it against that. But Tauro is made up for the show and doesn't exist anywhere else. So it's it's hard to compare anywhere or to know what I want from the character. And I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it more, but it's, I don't know. I think it was, it might've been a missed opportunity. Uh, the other, the last... Uh, series regular we'll talk about and the twist character other twist character Wole Parks as first the stranger Captain Luther and then revealed to of course be John Henry Irons from some earth we don't know which yeah I I like Wole Parks a lot he's very charming uh he he has some good comedic moments but he's also very very good at the dramatic moments um and just seeing the heartbreak uh, that he's had to go through in his life. I think Wally Parks does a great job of bringing that out in the character. I will say the way that they handled the stranger early on in the season, especially now having watched all of it, it's just annoying that they called him Luther because you knew that he wasn't Luther, but they were trying to mess with you and lead you in the wrong way. And I really want to see Lex Luther on this show. So I was just more annoyed than anything, I think, with them doing that for a while, especially because the justification for it didn't really make sense and was kind of weird. But as soon as he got to be just John Henry Irons, I think I liked the character a whole lot more. Yeah, that both Morgan Edge and Captain Luther, or Luther in general, using comic book names just as a way to mislead the audience for no other reason than to mislead the audience is a frustrating thing. But I'll get, I can get to that later. Um, Wole Parks is incredibly likable. Uh, yeah. In the first handful of episodes, he was even likable, even as he's trying to kill Superman. Uh, once he kind of revealed himself a little bit more. And I remember thinking, man, I wish he wasn't playing a villain. He would be nice if he was playing someone, you know, a good guy, so he could uh, get to spread that out a little bit more, get to show that a little bit more. So I think he makes a great John Henry Irons uh, and a a great steal. I do think some of the storyline was messy there with going from The Stranger to Captain Luther, going from the most important thing in the world is murdering Superman to teaming up with him at the end of the season is a really hard thing to execute. And I think they made it messy by having him come from another Earth and all of that. I think it's really messy to do that. And story-wise, we'll get into that. But I like where he ended up. And I think he... The Stranger, to me, was interesting. And 
John Henry Irons is still at the interesting at the end was very interesting. The way it got there was a little messy and I don't love everything in there, but you know, hopefully he's just established now as John Henry Irons and we can kind of move forward even if there was some messy stuff in the middle there. But I do think really like the actor and really likable guy. Yeah, Wally Parks is great and I, I hope he gets to stick around for a while. Yeah. So I think we'll cut it off there. We've certainly got a lot more to get into and unpack from season one. Some story stuff, some stuff we really liked more. More of that we'll get into. Uh, some Maybe some things we'd change, which I think we've alluded to some of that already. Uh, and some unanswered questions that we might have going into season two that maybe it will be addressed then. But I think that's all we've got for now. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.